reading those verses, you can tell there was some of them were written in Europe because the Jew is gone at noon. It was written in Albury, the Jew is gone at eight in the morning, not noon. <laughs> and so he's referring to the word that we need to keep looking at, not just once a week. <clears throat> okay, let's go to the Bible, to Ephesians. We're just taking off from the point, just a reminder of the church. The bride of Christ is a mystery. <clears throat> this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And we'll get to that at about our tenth point. And we are looking at the mysteries that are listed in the scriptures. Um, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.1, as we've said last time, now that was three weeks ago. Yes, three weeks ago when we last were in this section. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards, stewards of the mysteries of God. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul said he was a steward of the mystery. Now, mysteries of God. And in Romans 16, 25 and 26, these things were kept secret since the world begun, but are now made manifest. Mystery is something that was hidden in times past. It's not a mystery now, it's manifest. And uh, these revelations were given primarily to Paul, but others received, uh, I think there was seven through Paul and the others of, of the 11 uh, through, the, through the Lord Jesus and through Peter, I believe. We've looked at the mystery of the incarnation. First <clears throat> Timothy 3.16, Paul said, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world and received up to glory. The mystery of godliness, as it's, it reads at the start of that verse, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. <clears throat> manifest, God manifest in the flesh. The second one we looked at, the mystery of divine indwelling. That's in Colossians 1, 26, 28, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. There, Christ in you. That is a great mystery. That was not Old Testament, that's New Testament. And uh, Christ in us through the new birth. How can a man be born again? The question was through... <laughs> The spirit indwelling, Christ indwelling. Galatians 2.20. Uh, the third one we looked at, the mystery of the union of Jews and Gentiles in one body called the church. Now that <coughs> we looked at, that was the last one we looked at, and we went into a, a little bit of that. There was a big thing for the Jews to let go and to believe that God was going to work in and through the Gentiles. How do we know that? Scripture plainly teaches that. And it gives the example, we give the we've given the example of Peter. You'd think Paul would have had a hiccup with it, but P Peter was the real one that had a hiccup with it. Even though he knew it, he still practiced segregation of the two. Not realizing, as Paul said, the wall of petition has been broken down between us. We're all one in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Jews still have a problem with that, don't they? <laughs> The Orthodox Jews, should I say, <laughs> have a problem with that over there. <clears throat> um, we go to the next one, 
and we turn to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 12. We might have read mystery books when we were younger. In our English classes, I think they made us read some. But it always keep you hanging until the last chapter to tell you the secret of the mystery. <laughs> well, really, it, it's almost like that with the Lord. <laughs> he keeps it to the last time, the church age, to reveal the mysteries. For those years prior to that, they weren't known. All those, those millennia prior. But then he reveals them. And uh, the, the, the Old Testament saints knew something was up. They, it's said in the epistles that they looked into these things. They, the, the, especially the suffering and the glory. The suffering of the Messiah and the glory and the, the, the kingdom. They were, how does these things work? What was it all about? And we know now. Now we're in Revelation chapter 1, um, verse, well, let's, before we look at, start looking at them, let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you that we have your strength to understand your word. By the strength of your spirit, we are enabled to discern and to compare scripture with scripture. Lord, bless our hearts together tonight as we realise we're part of these mysteries. We are blessed by them. These things that were revealed to the apostles and prophets of the early church, that we might be blessed, Lord, and upon the whom the end of the ages has come. We thank you that we live in this time and we can comprehend and discern these things. Lord, we ask that this might be a blessing to us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 1 we'll look at verse 20 the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven candlesticks the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches so the mystery of the seven stars <clears throat> were there more than seven churches when John received the revelation in and around the world? Many, many more, many more. We know there were others that are not listed in these seven. And so he's not talking about the mystery of these churches as distinct from the others. Now these are seven chosen churches because of the traits that they had within them. So what's the mystery about it then? If it's not the mystery of the, these are seven churches among many other churches, what is the mystery? And I think people don't interpret the scripture like we do because they don't understand that. What the mystery is. The mystery is that these are what? Representative of periods of time of church history. That's the mystery. And we're at the other end of where these things have all happened. If uh, we look at the first church, the church, uh, and he's calling this a mystery. Well, we, we, we look at, first of all, the mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels, the messengers of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks 
are the seven churches. That's easy to interpret because it does it itself. But then you go to the first church, which is spoken of in verses 1 to, what, 8, or 1 to 7 of chapter 2, and it's the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus. And that, uh, how long, and, and this is what, you know, if you read this book and understand this book, uh, you'll get a blessing. That's what the promise of revelation is. So I think we should understand. Now, we've been through this about three years ago. That was about it in the morning service. I think it was about that or two or three years ago. But the church at Ephesus, what period of time, can you think back to what period of time that represented? Zero, the start of the church, to about 100 AD. That's the first church represented. Then the church at, hey, look up here. <laughs> Ephesus, see if we can do it. Smyrna. Is it Pergamos? <laughs> Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. The seven churches. Okay. Now, see, it'd be good to get the, the churches plus their traits plus the dates they represent. Because this is the mystery. The mystery of Smyrna. A church under what persecution and it was severely persecuted from 100 AD to 316 AD it was persecuted under the 10 emperors of Rome severely and so you could go right through each of the seven churches and the next one um, was Pergamos 316 to 600 Thyatira 600 to 1500 Sardis, 1500 to 1750, and Philadelphia, 1750 to 1900. That, that's probably, with Ephesus, that's probably the better church to have lived in that period. We lived on the tail end, even into the 1950s, and that, if you were around, if you were around then, <laughs> churches were different. <laughs> churches were out there. Churches were influencing the moral direction of the country which is not going on anymore because they've lost the plot. They're not preaching the truth anymore. And so all these things have relevance even to the people living in that period of time. The Dark Ages come upon the world. Thyatira, 600 to 1500. Each one of these churches, you study them out. So we've done that. And the, we've looked at those things. Um, <clears throat> you have to be blind, I've written down here, as a spiritual bat not to see it you say that's a bit harsh <laughs> well I, I think it should be so if God has revealed something to us and it's a mystery from hidden from ages past we ought to understand these things let's go to the, the uh, fifth mystery now the mystery of the kingdom of heaven turn to the book of Matthew and we've also been through this I don't know how long ago <laughs> in the evening service when he was studying Matthew and I, I've got I've got and or had and, and still getting because we're still in it studying Matthew we're up to chapter 24 great blessings from looking at it in more detail than the last two times I preached through it in, in Matthew we get, we get to Matthew chapter 12 and verse 24 and the Pharisees heard it. They said, This fellow hath 
doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. They were saying that of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were saying that the work of the Holy Spirit through the Lord Jesus Christ was the work of the devil. If you go down to verse 31, the Lord said, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven men, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, shall not be forgiven men, and whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him. Neither in this world nor in the age to come. They blasphemed. This, I think, was a turning point. I know there's turning points in Matthew as the Lord turned to more church teaching, as we'll see in a minute, and to the Gentiles and to teaching truths that uh, relate to the church than he had previously, as we'll see in a moment. And then he said, either make the good tree good, get right juice, <laughs> that's what he's saying, or and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt. And uh, <clears throat> it, it was cursed. The fig tree was cursed, wasn't it? A little bit later on by the Lord Jesus. And so the mystery of the kingdom of heaven starts over in chapter 13. And we read at verse 11 of chapter 13, he answered and said unto them, Because it is given you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, so it's you and them, you, he's talking to the apostles and those that would follow along their line, and them, the Jews, it's not given. And the question was asked in verse 10 by the disciples. They came and said to him, why speakest thou unto them in parables? Well, why, why have you changed your tone? Why have you changed your method in preaching, in ministering to people? And this, this, that was his answer. Because to you it's good to be known, and so it was going to be revealed to them, the apostles, and those that believed, and concealed from those, them, that didn't believe, the Jewish people. That was the purpose of speaking in parables now, from this point on. And he then speaks of, the what was it eight eight he gives eight parables in chapter 13 that speak of the mystery of the kingdom which is the church and as you read through the parables that is what comes out these parables in chapter 13 and we went through each of them the parable of the sower what was that about <laughs> what do we sow today see what is it the, the word the gospel where do we sow everywhere in the world and what sort of grounds are there how many types of grounds does it depict here four types of ground and uh, that's what we see today and the response to the responses that's spoken of in that in the interpretation so that was that's one of the main way that, that takes up a main portion of chapter 13 what's the next parable in verse 24 Another parable. This is a parable of the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. This is the new form that God's business on earth is going to take. The next kingdom was, I mean, next parable. Like and it's another parable. Put it forth there. Like in the man who sowed good seed. And then they sowed the tares among the wheat. <laughs> lot of tares amongst the wheat we've had 2,000 years of the devil sowing a lot of tares 
There's a lot of heresies, a lot of false doctrine, and it's everywhere to behold. We've come to the end, as it were, of the near the end of the church, and you've got all the accumulation. But a lot of them are rehashed. A lot of cults and isms are rehashed old false doctrines and put them in a new, as it were, format for us to try to, to, try to deceive us. And so in these next three parables, parable of the tares, the mustard seed and the leaven that you have here, uh, God's word and work is opposed, hindered and resisted with tireless persistence. The devil doesn't want the good news of the gospel to go out. He doesn't want that, and he's doing it in every way he can. In the parable of the tares, the message is confrontation. Uh, should, we, should, we tear, should we tear them up? It's interesting. Should we tear them up? No, leave them grow together, and we'll harvest them, and we'll tear them up at harvest time. And Brother Dunn's smiling because he knows about wheat and tares because he's been there. Separate them later. Can be done as a farmer, and the Lord will do that. Is everyone in a good fundamental church saved? No. No. What about a more liberal church? No. More so, no, no. <laughs> they say no, no. What in about? What about an apostate church, if you could call it a church? You get triple no all over. <laughs> no, no, no. Lots of tears. Lots of people pretending to be Christians. And so, you know, th this is a very important thing to understand. If you don't get this, one of these, the, mis the mystery form of the kingdom, you know, you're going to get what's going on, what Satan is up to. And we don't take precautions then to be careful about who we associate with and fellowship with. And we need to take care in those things. We really do need to be on our guard. And so the tares, the mustard seed, uh, one of confusion, the tares, one of confrontation, the leaven, one of corruption. But then the parable of the mustard seed in verse 31. <coughs> um, mustard seed deals with the outward growth of error. Now, in that parable, it talks about the mustard seed. What did it become? A big tree. Mustard seeds aren't, don't grow trees. And so this is unnatural growth. This is for the outward growth of the professing church. This is Christendom. It should be a herb, not a great big tree. And the Lord has given lots of warnings in this. And we shouldn't be surprised at the way things have taken place in church history. Um, <clears throat> The leaven deals with the inward and secret growth of error. The mustard seed deals with the outward growth of error. Um, <clears throat> the prophets knew nothing of, knew nothing of the mystery of these things, but they are revealed to us. Um, <clears throat> the parable of the leaven, and we know that one pretty well, it's one that's spoken of in, in even the, uh, the Corinthians, a little Leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. And so little corruption ends in big corruption. Don't let the devil get the foot in the door, was <laughs> <it's> saying. <clears throat> and they had 
the leaven of the Pharisees and the, and the Lord warned the disciples about that. This is a mystery of these things. Parable of the hidden treasure is in verse 44. Parable of the hidden treasure. Now there might be some differences when we get to these last few parables. The hidden treasure. And I've likened these, this hidden treasure to, in verse 44, to the Hebrew people. When we looked at it, and we read there, and again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which when a man hath found it, he hideth, and for joy of it goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth the field. And buyeth the field. The Lord bought the field through creation, through Calvary, and one day through the conquest in the kingdom. And he's going to bring about his purposes. You see, Israel has a future. <laughs> so it's, it's there. It's in... The, it, it's been set aside as Romans 11 tells us all about it's been broken off but it will be grafted in again so we could say the Jewish nation be encouraged but also be warned right. of what's going to happen to you if you don't repent now terrible times ahead and then you have the parable of the costly pearl um, <clears throat> and that's in verse 45 and 46 the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking God goodly pearls. You know, found a ring. I've been trying to give it away. It was in our bedroom on the floor, and I just see it among the carpet, a gold ring with three little things in it. There's only one person left that I know has been our, in our room. <laughs> the different ones have been in there, you know, our daughters and, and Jill and others, but we can't give this ring away. But I'm not giving it away. I'm going to find the owner. Because then I'll say, well, what are you doing in our bedroom? <laughs> but no, I won't. There have been people that have been guests in the room, so we'll find it. But here is a costly pearl, something that's worth a lot. Um, <clears throat> this is not the Hebrew people, but this is the heavenly people. The purchased possession of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church. Um, merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and brought, the, brought in. Um, <clears throat> In both these, 44, the hidden treasure and that, this one was willing to pay all to get the field and to get the pearl. And so the Lord there has done that, the Lord Jesus. And the parable, the next parable is, and I didn't write the uh, verse 47. So what parable is spoken of there down to verse 51? Is like, the kingdom of heaven is like a net cast into the sea and gathered every kind when it's full they drew it to the shore and sat down and gathered the good and the vessels and cast the bad away the parable of the great net this is the heathen people so the hebrew people the heavenly people and the heathen people they are sought the lord cast the net out he would not have any to perish but all to come to repentance Amen. cast the net out and dr drag them all in as it were a dragnet it's a, it's a thing I think the aboriginals are allowed to do that now but us guys are not allowed to do it <laughs> you have to use a fishing line or whatever to, to get them to get them in the fish in but the dragnet get the lot throw the net let it drop to the bottom and then drag it in with everything in it I've tried I've used one that was on a private farm 
and the fish got cunning after about the first two casts and they just stuck to the sticks and logs underneath and the net was of no value. That's the way I do fishing, Brother Derek. <laughs> he does it with a line and a hook, I think. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Didn't seem real convincing there. <laughs> Jalic, no. <laughs> I don't think so. But here, the Lord, and, and when they're all got in, at the end, what is the Lord going to do? Cast the bad out, the good come in. You can see, and all the other doctrines that tie with this in the New Testament, they're all tied in. This, this is a great mystery. This is one of the big ones that have to do with church history. And, well, I suppose so does the, the mystery of the seven churches. And the last one, the eighth one, in verse 52 of Matthew chapter 13. <clears> then <throat> it's the mystery of what? Or the parable of the householder here. Therefore every scribe who is instructed who unto the kingdom of heaven is like a man that is a householder who bringeth forth out of, the, out of his treasures things new and things old. Praise God that today we can bring things new out of the New Testament and we can bring things old from by way of illustration, by way of type, um, by way of comparison from the Old Testament. This is the way they live. This is what happened to them. What about you? And so we can bring, the householder now can bring forth in this age wonderful truths because we have the completed canon of Scripture. We are privileged, much more privileged than even the Old Testament prophets because we have that. And so there's just two of the mysteries. I thought I might get through a third one there, but time does go quick. Um, <clears throat> we're going to get to the one in, <laughs> in Ephesians in a few weeks' time. Well, next week I won't be here. I'll be cooking at camp or trying to... Purchasing officer, aren't I, or something like that? <laughs> Getting the goodies for camp. <laughs> so be praying for next week as there will be more of us away and involved in the camp and pray that the, you'd come together and pray for the camp as we will at this time let's be praying